0: Remembering is very important. I've talked about it a little bit, but let me just bring it up again as you turn to James chapter 4, verse 8, one verse. Remembering is very important. We talk about the miracles of God, okay? Jesus did so many miracles while he was here. It said that if all the works of the Lord were written down, it wouldn't be in the books, so all the books in the world wouldn't be able to contain them. Remember what God has done in your life remember what God has done in the church. We're not living in the past, but remember the mighty works of God. Because the Bible says that Israel forgot the works of God, and obviously they fell away from the Lord. And so why I spend this time each Sunday is remembering. And, and in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about teaching your children about the Lord. And he's Basically, as you walk with them down the byways of life and so forth, you talk about the works of God, the miracles of God. In Psalm 103, said Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And forget not all of his benefits. Okay? He's healed us. He's delivered us. Because if you're not delivered, then obviously there's something going on here. And obviously you're not, something's not right between you and God. We are delivered And we receive and believe that. But remember what God has done. That's why we spend this time. Call them. Talk about them. You know, one thing I think there's a drought of, obviously, the word of God in this country. But one thing is, is gathering around talking about Jesus. Gathering around together and just celebrating him. We get so distracted by what's happening in the world today the politics that's going on and, and all the things that are going on and we, we, we sort of get caught up into our, our, our bank account, so to speak, or whether or not we're going to be able to pay the bills or whether or what's going to come next. All of this. Talk about Jesus. In Revelation 19, it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Testimonies are powerful. When we testify how God saved you, And and delivered you and and brought you through things. It's powerful to remember those things and who our God is. Recall those things because Israel forgot about it. Forgot about God. And then they went astray. The moment you forget and not obviously give praise and thanksgiving. One of the things is thanksgiving we talk about all the time. But only by the spirit of God can he work that down in our hearts. That we are thankful people instead of grumblers. Instead of murmurs, we murmur and, oh, this is not right, and the weather's not right, and that's not right, and so forth. Be thanksgiving. Have have a spirit of thanksgiving and believing and trusting. James chapter 4, verse 8. One verse, and it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, we know the Lord is here because he's omnipresent. That is an attribute of the Lord. And so he is here. And we know the Spirit of the Lord dwells within us because the Bible says if the Spirit if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so but James is talking about here, I believe something's far deeper. So what is James talking about when he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you? And he's talking to believers. He's talking to you and me when he says this. To you, and I believe it's so important. And that is he's telling Christians To purposely move into a greater intimacy with God Almighty. Think about this. As a husband and wife, or maybe if you have friends or whatever, and you may be in the same house, and your husband would be over here, your wife over here, or whatever, you're so forth. And maybe the husband is on on the computer. He's doing something constructive, or he's playing some type of video games or whatever. And the wife is over here doing this and so forth and, and all. They're not talking. They're there under the same roof. They're there within each other's presence, but there's no intimacy that's there. God is saying we need to get in the same room with God Almighty, right? God is saying today that we need to have a conversation with him and talk with him and hear what he has to say and get to know God as a person much more deeply here. And the choice, obviously, to do this, to draw closer, is a choice. Everything, I believe, certainly God is sovereign and providential, And he can do whatever he wants to do. But you and I make the choice. We have a you know, today, everything we do is a choice. Everything we do is a decision. Sometimes big decisions, sometimes small decisions, whatever they are. And we make the choice to draw near to him. And I want today to really challenge you in regards to this drawing near to God. And he'll draw near to you. First of all, how does that take place? And I want to just mention, all of you know the old hymn, Just a Closer Walk With Thee. Remember, Just a Closer Walk With Thee. Why does he say, why is that? I love that song, the old hymn. And Just a Closer Walk With Thee. It's because I believe there's no limit to our God and our relationship with Him. I believe there's more of God than we've experienced in our lives. I believe when you're saved, that's the beginning. But I believe as you continue through life, I believe that in various times you will encounter the Lord. You know, I've told you, I've said sometimes I remember, and this has not happened right recently, but I'm sitting on my couch and and, all, and I had the TV on. You know, we all had the TV on or the radio on or some type of communication or we're on our phone. Something's going on in social media. Something's happening. And I'm sitting there, and it was like I could sense and feel physically And emotionally, the spirit of the Lord just sort of like came and just rested on me. And like it just caught my attention. He did. And he's a he, the third person of the Trinity. He caught my my attention. And and it was kind of like, I need to shut this TV off. And it was like the Lord was saying, the spirit was saying, come and get along with me for a moment. Get along with me. You're too busy, Jim. You're too active in everything. Good things. Even ministry. But you've kind of missed the best, remember? Mary and Martha. When Mary sat and and sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha was busy in the kitchen. And remember there, Martha got mad at Mary because she said that she needs to come in here and help me in the kitchen and so forth. And remember what Jesus said. Mary has chosen the best thing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Drawing close to him. Drawing near to him. Just a closer walk with thee. And prepare your heart here we need to do that we prepare our hearts we need king you know king Jehoshaphat there in second chronicles uh, 19 talked about it. that he prepared his heart to seek the lord draw cl- close to god and he will draw close to you sometimes you may i, I just pray that god would touch every person in his congregation today when you're going down the highways of life, literally, or whether or not you're at your work, that you can feel his presence. He's living and obviously he, he lives and he, he moves and 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 he does these things to, to get us, to draw us into his presence. He loves us. He wants communion with us. He wants fellowship with us. He wants a relationship with us. But we make a choice every day of whether or not that's going to be true to draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you, and I want to tell you, I don't believe anybody in this place today would be able to say that we don't need, desperately need the Lord, none of us can, because none of us, And, and we know, obviously, many times we ignore him, we do our own thing, we're active, and we never give God a second thought, but I believe that's changing. I had to believe that that's going, that's changing. Something is happening to where he will draw close to us. And so what does that prepare your heart to seek the Lord? What is it here? I want to tell you. First of all, I believe it's to make a firm decision to do it and then make preparations to do it. James tells us that a double-minded man cannot expect to receive anything from the Lord. And the question is, have you decided to follow Jesus Christ? Have you made a declaration that I will follow Jesus Christ? In Psalm 57, it says, when he said, my heart is steadfast, actually, the King James Version says, fixed, O God, my heart is steadfast, and I will sing and give praise. My heart is fixed on you. Now, you go, really, to get down to the bottom line, how does that work? How does that happen, you and I? Do we sort of flesh it out? and so forth no it has to be something the spirit works within our hearts on a regular basis but he will if we'll tell him i'll tell him lord i want you to work this in my heart to where i draw near to you because your word says that you'll draw near to me i know you're always with me but i want to feel your presence i want to know i want to have the manifest presence of the lord the tangible presence of the Lord, and so forth. I don't have to be feely and touchy, but I do want to be aware of his presence. Because let me tell you, societies and cultures who are aware of the presence of the Lord, something mighty happens. And you and I need to be aware of the presence of the Lord. And when that happens, he begins to reveal himself more and more. When we steward his presence so the way in a very positive and faithful way, Then he'll show us more and more. Why should he reveal himself to us if we're not going to walk with him on a regular basis? He doesn't do it. But he wants to reveal himself to us in a personal way, just like he did when we got saved, just when he revealed that we were sinners. And the only way out of this was through the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I say Jesus and him alone. No one else could save you. And so he says he's steadfast, but without this kind of determination, it's doubtful any of us will seek the Lord for very long. And I'm asking you this morning to make a decision, a decision that you'll seek the Lord. You know, I, don't, I don't, just don't think this happens by accident. We have to decide that's what we want to do. I have decided, I want to tell you as an individual, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. I, as a pastor of this church, I have decided that obviously to the best of my ability, I'm going to seek the Lord for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be diverted by other distractions that sometimes come our way. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to press into God, could be said that way. I've made that decision but you know something in my life, I have to continue to come back before the Lord in this matter. Because I drift and so forth. And the Bible talks about it in Hebrews, about drifting away. But sometimes I just need to come back and say, I right now commit my life to seek you with all of my heart. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, if we seek him with all of our heart and, and all in and, and our mind and our soul, that we will, he says he, he will be found by us if we seek him. But it takes a determination. It takes you and I saying, this is a priority. My goal, I want to mention to you, is not to have the biggest church in town or to impress people with some kind of external success. Nothing wrong with that. God bless those that God is doing this. But I want to be faithful and fervently pursue God. And I believe there's a lot of people in this church today feel the same way. Amen? I believe it's the same way. I'm not looking. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." I certainly, and we need to be obedient to what he says. As we talked about John 15 recently, abiding in the vine. We're the branches and he's the vine. We've talked about that. And I want to do what he tells us to do, definitely. But my goal is to diligently seek the Lord. I want his presence in my life. I want his manifest presence. I want his manifest presence everywhere I go. I want to be able to speak. I want to tell you today that hearts will melt before the word of God Almighty and come to a conviction, including my own, to get everything in my life that's not like Jesus out of my life. I don't want it. just drags you down. Jesus, Paul said that. He said, you know, I lay aside everything that weights me down and I run the race and I pursue the Lord no matter what happens and I believe God is calling you and I to do that today especially, you know, when the temple was talking about was being built there, there were preparations that David made, they, obviously the specific plans that he made there and so forth and, and let me ask you this, will you make the decision here to seek the Lord by gathering here each Sunday morning and sincerely worshiping God? Will we open our ears to God's word and let it transform our lives? Will Sunday morning be something we consistently do? Or is it something somehow that if we don't have something else to do, then we'll obviously, well, might as well go to church. Will we commit, will that be a priority? Because let me tell you today, many people today have not made coming to church a priority. And they're not in the church house. You have got to have that as a priority. And you and I need to decide this will be a priority. And you say, yeah, Jim, but you're the pastor. You have to be here, right? <laughs> Let me tell you today, if God did not have me in ministry, I have already told the Lord I commit myself to being in a church. I will find a church that obviously I can serve in and grow in, no matter what position I am in today. I have made that declaration, and I've made that decision. Amen. May God be it, make it, and make it come true. And, but, you know, many times today, it's just kind of like, well, you know, if it's raining or whatever, and so forth. It doesn't make any difference to me. shouldn't make any difference to us. Now, I'm not saying be be obviously dangerous and so forth. And there are times we're not feeling up to par and so forth. I am not saying don't take this wrong. I'm just saying somewhere foundationally, you and I had to make the decision of priority, of gathering together. Because I want to tell you today, there are many people who are not. They don't. And you think, yeah, but, you know, um, I don't get as much out of it as what I think I should be. Let me tell you today, the word of God is powerful. If you're here today, something's going on in your life or you wouldn't be here. There's something that's going on. It's not about my preaching, whether or not I dot every I or cross every T. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Word of God. The Bible says it's living. It's living. It's alive in the Spirit of God. And the only way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so you're hearing it today. You hear the Word of God. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. And so we have to make that priority in our lives here. You know, one of the things that we really like, and I know some of we join on Wednesday night. <clears throat> and we have teaching going on. And that's very important to have that. And, and that, that works for a lot of us and so forth. Some of you can't be here on Wednesday night. Some of you, if you like, we will always invite you to come. You can come and so forth. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but, but on different things that, that you need to be able to grow, because there's nothing more important in your life and my life is to be more like Jesus, okay? But I've made other things more important at many times, and I've strayed from that, but I'm telling you today, will you make the decision today to consistently pursue God, to press into God? in a greater way than you have before. If you'll do that, and I'll do that, the Bible, according to the word of God, says that he'll draw close to us. There'll be something that happens in your life. But you've got to commit. Because if you don't prioritize, it's more than likely we will not do it. You know, I like going, I, I'm an advocate of the Second Amendment, trust me. Y'all know that. I love shooting at the range. And I miss going to the range. But you know what? I haven't made it a priority. And so I don't do it. The other thing, you know, I, I, I know my garage is, needs to be cleaned out. Y'all didn't get the gun illustration, but you'll get the garage illustration. And I always, you know, yeah, I need to clean the garage out. But you know what? I hadn't made it a priority. And so it doesn't get cleaned out, right? You know what? What I thought of and what's really convicted me here recently, and that is, is the days that I waste. And don't spend my life on, on, the, on Jesus are days that are gone. I can't get this back. Time is fleeting today. I can't go back and gather that time that I've messed up with or that I've lost in seeking the Lord. But if you and I will make a decision, you see, everything we do, remember, it is about decisions. It's about priority. And you will not do them unless you make it a priority. It's the only way I want to tell you today. Will you draw near to God in your devotion? Will you tell the Lord, you know, if it, you it's for a few minutes in the morning, let me tell you, I have got, gotten busy, good things, nothing bad, but good things and so forth, a lot of times fleshly things, and I've gotten going, good uh, going in the morning and I've forgotten just to stop for a moment, sit before the Lord and get into his presence and just sit for a moment, just like I did in front of the TV and so forth. And then I'd say, yeah, but I'll, I'll make it up this afternoon sometimes you know what? I never go back to it. If you don't make it a, a decision to put it as a priority, you'll never go back to it. I will not go back to it. I probably, more than likely, most of the time, I never go back to it. And I talk to the Lord, you know, all day. But I'm talking about just waiting a moment, just giving him that time and, and opportunity to speak to you because he's still speaking. He'll speak through his word. He'll speak through circumstances. He speaks. Let me tell you. And I want to tell you today, he can speak any way he wants to speak to you. He's God Almighty. He never contradicted word, but He'll speak to you. He's still speaking today, you know. And, and the rema word of God, the revelation of the word of God today is powerful when God speaks to you. But you and I've gotta to, gotta to sit before the Lord. Get get there. We just maybe in that time, you know, what I like to do sometimes is put on a little bit of worship music, just whatever hymns if you have the hymns or whatever it is that you like. It, I love the contemporary praise and the hymns. I love it all. I love everything about it. Everything's going on the earth today. I love what Jesus is doing. Amen? Let me tell you, some, some of the worship services I see happening and so forth and all that, uh, and I look and I'm going, man, a lot of that's kind of different. That kind of really stresses me on this and that. But so be it. There are young people today that are worshiping Jesus today, a little differently than I am, but they're worshiping Jesus and there's music that's coming out today that's fabulous about the Word of God and, and, and obviously uplifting, praising Jesus, giving glory to Jesus. And so get before Him. Will you commit to it? Got to make it a priority, though. You got to do it. Remember in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. Where are your priorities? What is it? Are you seeking first? The Bible says here, according to the Word, if you seek Him and His kingdom... In his righteousness. Then everything else will be added to you. You know why we get off course? Because we're not seeking him. It's because we haven't put him as a priority there. In Hebrews 10, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full conscience, assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more the day as, the more as you see the day approaching. Does anybody here see the day approaching? And day is written in big letters. Anybody see the day approaching? I hear the amen. The day is approaching here. And you know what, how we'll get through this? It's through the bond of love through the church. You and I will encourage one another. We're too distant now, but God's changing that. He's got to bring us together. But as we see the day approaching, which I believe it very well could be, and we see it happening, we're told to assemble ourselves to encourage each other in the Lord. There's a built-in accountability in that, certainly. So what's your plan? Do you need to write it down, whatever it is? If you need to write it down, write it down, whatever it may be. We prepare our hearts, obviously, and we make a priority to do that very thing. The third thing here is take a step in the right direction. You know, a thousand-mile walk begins with one step. You've got to begin. You've got to make the decision, remember? He said, well, I'm just sort of, you know, I'm busy, Jim. I'm busy, and I've got a lot of things doing. and I'm working for the Lord and so forth with that. But just drawing near to him has got to be a decision. It's got to be, and you've got to take the first step. But it takes the first step before anything starts to happen. That's what God does. God looks at our lives to see whether or not we were doing that. Remember what happened there. David obviously was making preparations, and the Solomon's temple took place. And what happened? When they had done all these things, remember what happened? He dedicated the temple, and God showed up in an awesome way. The Shekinah glory of, of God entered the place, and the anointing was so strong in that temple there, the priests could not stand up to minister. They were laying face down before the Lord, I'm sure, in reverence and awe and respect of God Almighty there. But what did David? David supplied the material for the temple there, a lot of it. And then he obviously came and the, the priests were sanctified and, and so forth. And, and then there was a slaying of thousands of sacrifices. That was the worship. All these were in line with the preparation for the Shekinah glory to come. You and I need to be prepared. I want to tell you, revival is the only way, only thing that will help this nation today. There is obviously a great divide. There are those on one side that are saying that God, they don't want to have God, uh, any, God in this country at all and so forth. There are others that, that know that God is the answer, and some sort of say they think he is and so forth, but there is a chasm. There is a great divide in this country and saying, you know, uh, <laughs> we don't want God. I want to tell you. unless we return to the Lord, unless we repent, unless we come back to God, I'm speaking to Jim right now, and I want to tell you, there'll be dire consequences. God is saying, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm putting before you and this church before me the opportunity to draw near to Him. And the Bible says He'll draw near to us. That's always asking, do that. And I believe something will happen that will just totally, totally uh, touch us. You know, I've read many, many books on revival. My heart is in revival, has been for about 30 years or more. And I see people that actually receive revival, in other words, an awakening in their heart, the reality of the holiness of God and who God is. That there, were time, there, there was a time of preparation. There was a time of drawing near to God, and he, draw, he drew near to them. But there was a time there had to be. Some churches have been praying for revival for many, many years. But God is saying today, don't give up. Don't give up. I was running this morning out in the rain, and, you know, just kind of pray at that time, too. I'm just, my prayer at that time, you know, I start in the morning in my, in, you know, in my house, and, and then I pray. Along the way. And I said Lord is there any. Any use. That we need to continue. And I felt God nudge me. And say do not give up. Don't give up. I believe God will do something. If we don't give up. But we've got to draw near to him. The different articles there. In the tabernacle. I'll just mention them real quickly. There was one gate. To go in. To the tabernacle. There's only one way to go go to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's only one way. Jesus sent of the way, the truth, and the life. and No one comes to the Father except through me. And we know there is the brazen altar. Obviously, there was the animal sacrifices that were burned. In Hebrews 9, it says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Sin is only atoned for by the shedding of blood, the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ there. We obviously see salvation does not rest upon a set of moral ethics designed to get people to be nicer. Salvation rests upon the penalty for your sin being paid for by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's not about trying to get a little bit better because you can't. Without the blood of Jesus, there can be no remission of sin. And when God says no, he means no, none. It has to be because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Sing about it, preach about the blood. Some people don't like to talk about the blood. But without the blood of Jesus Christ being shed for us, your sins and my sins can never be atoned for, could never be forgiven. So to even become a Christian, we've got to come to God through Jesus and we've got to be forgiven of our sin. Based upon the payment that he made on the cross, he took our sins. He became sin on our behalf and took our sins upon us. Amen, I want to tell you. In 1 John, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins, obviously. So wonderful. Walk in the light. Bring it out in the light. You know, we've talked several weeks ago about our conscience. If your conscience does not, obviously, convict you and so forth, then obviously you keep going. People today have such a a guilty conscience about everything. If they'll bring it to Jesus, he can cleanse it in the blood of Jesus. God's conscience is cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgive us this day of our debts, our trespasses, and forgive those who have sinned against us, those who have trespassed against us, obviously. We need... To visit the brazen altar in that sense. To be forgiven there of unnecessary guilt there. And sometimes that guilt we've sinned against him. But bring it to the Lord. And what is the goal of all of this when we draw near to the Lord? And that is to enter into the Holy of Holies. Remember the veil was rent in two. And that obviously signified. He said I'm opening it up. That we can come into the Holy of Holies. In the most intimate relationship with God Almighty. That can never ever be understood. Only through experience, spiritual experience. Just knowing him and loving him. The blessing of that, I want to tell you. It's where God dwells. In Hebrews 10, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience of our bodies, washed with pure blood, pure water. I want to tell you today, we need a clear conscience. We need that clean, sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. I remember a lady, I hadn't been a pastor too long, and planted a church on the northwest side of Houston, and she and her husband joined the church. And she came, and she was a worker. She, was, she worked for the uh, United States Post Office. And she would help me. We met in the school. And she would help me every week to set up. And I knew something was happening. And, and she began to, obviously, we, was just a real close friend. And she would help me, always wanting to serve the Lord. Not doing it, you could tell, not doing it out of necessarily trying to gain her salvation. But she had an encounter with Jesus. And she she shared with me this scripture in Hebrews 10. I'll never forget it. That was the scripture. I realized that her and her husband obviously had had been partiers before they came into the church. Uh, I think that one had almost uh, gotten killed in a car accident because of her drinking issue and so forth. And they had been out into the world and so forth. She experienced the grace of God through the word of God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit there. And I remember her saying there is obviously here. It says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We need to draw near to the Lord, amen? We need to do that here. As as we approach God, we come to the brazen labor. This is a huge bowl where the priests wash their hands and their feet. You know, we need, obviously, the cleansing that comes from the Word of God. The Word of God washes our feet in that way, okay? Does that make sense? <laughs> it doesn't. But we're washed by the Word of God. We're cleansed by the Word of God. And we need a continual cleansing by the Word of God every day. And that means we've got to get into the Word. We've got to know what the Word says. We've got to be able to come together like that and, and know... That God cleanses us. So how do we draw near to God? I believe these, the golden lampstand, we talk about it. I won't go into it. The golden lampstand was a source of light. And Jesus is the light of the world. And he directs our paths. He directs us as we trust him here. There was the table of showbread or the menorah, the 12 loaves. Jesus, obviously, the, we were talking about the bread of his presence, the presence of the Lord here. Fellowship, with Christ, brings us spiritual nourishment. A lot of people out there are starving spiritually. Get into the Word. Draw near to God that He will obviously... What happens is when we get be spiritually malnourished, we look in every place out there to try to bring about that fulfillment in our lives that only Jesus Christ can bring. There's no other way. Get into the Word. Trust Him. Draw close to Him and Have that fellowship together, because disconnecting with people, then obviously you are an open target for the enemy, and he hits you, and so many times hits very very hard. He doesn't play clo- doesn't play games with us. We're in a war. This nation's in a war today. We need to draw close to him. a Couple things and we'll close. In Matthew eight, it talks about when the the, thou- the thousands of the disciples were saying, "Hey, you know, how are we gonna?" Do this. How are we going to feed all these people? And remember, Jesus said, y'all feed them. And then they came back again. They'd seen the miracles of God here, and they became negative. I expressed this sometimes several weeks ago. Don't allow, I want to say this very, very clearly. Don't allow your reasoning start with, I don't have. Don't allow your reasoning start with, I can't do this. How many of us have that type of attitude many times? We feel like that God is nudging on our hearts and we start out in a negative. Don't start out like that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God calls you to do it, he'll give you the power to be able to do it. But what happens is, again, we start out negative. We're negative because we live in a negative world. Until we get out of that pattern, that way of thinking, we'll never go anywhere with it. We need a renewed mind. We need our mind renewed there, and we need to remember the testimony of what God has done. We need to remember the miracles of God. You know, many times people say to me, and I want to tell you, I want to say this very, 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 very straightforward. Many people say, don't talk about the miracles of God, because what happens is we get focused on the miracles instead of Jesus. Let me tell you today, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the fact that we're not testifying who Jesus is and his mighty power anymore in our lives and our churches. And if that changes, then we're going down to twos today. Well, never, ever, because it's the power of God and the salvation for all who will believe. There's a power in the spirit of God. Miracles are a part of that. I've seen miracles over and again. But again, what happens is when we're presented with a miracle, we have two choices to make. Either we believe them or we come up and we say, I don't believe this. And you start out in unbelief. Remember there in Capernaum, Jesus said the judgment of Capernaum would be worse than what happened to Sodom. I'm not talking about Let me tell you today. That unbelief is worse than sexual immorality. I'm not touting sexual immorality, but we think that's kind of high on the list. It is. But unbelief. Remember the man had his daughter or whatever his family member healed? And he said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, Lord. Don't start out with a negative. Do what God tells you. Miracles. Miracles that are taking place. Let me give you just an example. Y'all know this. I've shared this a million times. Points us to Jesus. We'll seek him. I want a life filled with his power, his love. I'm talking about, I want more of God. In that sense, more of his love, more of his power, more of his anointing, more of his fruit, more of his gifts. I want all of what God has for Jim Barclay. When I went to Ecuador, a couple years ago. It's been about a little over two years, half years ago. From the moment I touched down in Quito, Ecuador, to the moment I came home, there were miracles every day. Every day. I was amazed. The presence of the Lord, the manifest presence that showed up and as we worshiped together in the church there in Quito, and In the pastor's uh, kitchen that I've told y'all about. Working with people who were demon-possessed, casting out demons on a regular basis, Um, emotional healing taking place for people who've been in witchcraft for many years, generational curses that were being taken place, passed down, many things. There were miracles every day, and it was so powerful that it just blew me away. It changed my life changed my relationship with jesus christ and i said lord i'm going back to houston texas what am i going to do what is it you know what it is it's because i believe this country in many ways has rejected god and rejected the miracles of the lord the presence of god i believe even the french church in many ways has rejected and turned away from that but that's changing okay We want to see Jesus. We want him exalted and lifted on high. We want nothing more than Jesus today. When you have Jesus, let me tell you, he's going to change something because obviously he he said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He says, I don't change. So guess who's got to change? God is saying today that he wants to come and move. I believe he stands at the door and knocks. We're going to let him in. We're going to let him come in do whatever he wants to do. That's why, I want, again, I'm reiterating what I mentioned. That when we gather, we talk about Jesus. We talk about the testimony of Jesus as a spirit of prophecy. We talk about what God has done. The miracles. Our children. We tell our children about it. We raise them in an environment that God does the miraculous today. On the road, to and from, wherever. Teach them about God Almighty today. Because Israel forgot about what God, the works of God, and obviously strayed from the Lord. And I believe that's what's happening in the church today. You know why? You know what the word is? It's unbelief. Somebody told me recently, I said, how, what do you say, maybe just in short, a pastor I respect, about the United States? What do you see the church today at large about? And he said, the Nazareth church. Remember what happened? Jesus could not do many miracles in even his hometown, but lay his hands on a few people and healed them. Because of why? Because they're unbelief. They didn't believe God. Something's got to happen, okay? I'm talking today to draw near to him that he'll draw near to us. I'm talking about believe God. The powerful, super. he's supernatural. He's powerful. He's awesome. And he'll change your life if you let him. He'll make you more like Jesus. You know my prayer on the way down here this morning? I said, Lord, get rid of anything in my life that's not like Jesus. My purpose for living is to allow the Spirit of God to make me more like Jesus Christ. And that means more loving, too. I need power to love, right? I need power to live the day by day. I need power to cast out demons. I can't do it without the Spirit of God. But let me tell you today. All of it comes in the package. All of it's in Jesus. It's wrapped up in him. If we'll believe him, if we'll trust him, let's pray together. Thank you for your attention. Father, bless this congregation. Bless this church. Use it for your glory and for your honor. There's no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved except by the name of Jesus. Dear Lord, let us talk about Jesus on the highways and byways of life. Let let us talk about the things He's done in our lives, about how grateful we are for salvation, how grateful He's healed us. He's delivered us from the hand of the enemy. Today, Lord, come and remove all unbelief in our hearts, Lord, and impart faith. Faith to believe you no matter what. And dear Lord, today we ask you to change our hearts, Change your hearts, oh God. And we'll look to you and believe you and honor and worship the King. His name is Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.